शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री श्री राधा मोदी की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय घोर भक्त वृंद की जय गोर प्रमानंद हरि हरि सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑल ऑफ यू and uh, <coughs> as we have been doing this these days at least most of the mornings we are getting together for istagosti which means questions and answers concerning our devotional life devotional practice devotional ideal so you are invited to present if you have any questions any topic something you would like to hear about we are inviting everyone whoever is present here also connected online you can present any questions you have or any topic you would like to hear about so. question yes uh, we wondered some time ago about this form of mahaprabhu and in the combination which form uh, like when he's uh, with his right hand raised up, left down, and then the combination with Nityananda Prabhu with both hands raised up. I have heard that uh, this one is like the Madhurya uh, mood of Mahaprabhu, where he's inviting Radha Krishna to manifest. This mm -hmm. is how worship in And then at the Sakya Rasa, he's with two hence raised up together with Nityananda. Is it somehow? What? Is it, is I've never heard that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is the mood like in this both different if there is anything? Yeah, of course we can say something. I think even we spoke about that last time when we have our retreat in Bulgaria like two years ago. I, I, if, I, if my memory is not failing, so you can go to those audios also. I will say something now, but yes. <laughs> for sure something else was we'll said at that time. But yeah, there. I mean, generally when we have Gorni Tenanda, the two of them together in the altar, generally the two of them have the same, the same mudra, basically. No? If Mahaprabhu is like like this. Gorni Tenanda will be like this on the on his side or if Mahaprabhu is like this Nityananda will be also like this generally we don't find like one is like this and the other is like this and one is like this and the other is like someone generally they share the mudras um, to begin with the Mahaprabhu we have here and, and generally this is one of the main like presentations if we will in which we see Mahaprabhu generally and, and Nityananda Prabhu with him which is one his uh, right arm raised and his left arm downwards as we may have spoken this day these days they have to do with yeah the Madhurya element for sure but also the Audarya is there because one hand the, the high raised hand represents his highest topmost experience of tasting Radhabhav, his main purpose for his descent, hmm? his own personal uh, agenda, if you will, or plan to come to taste, as we already mentioned, these three main desires he had to fulfill. On the hand, left hand going down represents how that highest peak of his own experience is made available to even the lowest of the lowest no? and that's why he's called Mahavadanyaya or Mahavadanyavatar the most magnanimous merciful descent because he's given the highest even to the lowest no? um, and I will say that has more to do with Audarya rather, rather than Madhurya no? which Audarya of course is the, the distribution of Madhurya no? the very very like generous dispensation of that highest sweetness and intimacy of Braj when it's made available to each and every person without discrimination that we call Odarya. So so in one sense I will say of course 
that that particular combination implies the two because for Audaria to be there, Maduria has to be there because Audaria is the distribution of Maduria, so you cannot have Audaria without Maduria. Hmm. Like you cannot have if you want to connect other points, Maduria without Aishwarya also. No? This is a point that Vishwanath Thakur makes in his Raghavarma Chandrika. No? Maduria here I mean the intimacy of Braj. I'm not referring by Panduria here to the romantic relationship only. Also he says, for example, just one minute go in that direction and we return, that in Maduria we find, in Brindavan we find Maduria, we find intimacy and sweetness in all the different relationships, Vatsalya, Sakya, Maduria, and so on. But for that to be considered Maduria, there has to be Aishwari in the background. There has to be this extraordinary divinity of Krishna. Hmm? Because, and Ambishmanachakvarta could give the example. He says, What's the difference between the charm of a newborn baby? There is a charm, but the charm of baby Krishna. So, what makes Krishna's babyhood special? Well, what makes it special is the fact that actually he's God. But he's acting. Not acting like making a show, but behaving like a baby, despite the fact that he is the source of everyone. He's the father and mother of the whole universe, <laughs> but he's having a father and mother and behaving like a baby, learning to crawl and falling on the ground again. So, what makes that Madhurya, that intimacy, unique is the fact that actually he is God, and that the Ishvari, that's the Ishvarya component. He's God, but he acts in such a way in Vrindavan. So that's what we call Maduria. If you don't have that Aishwari in the background, there will be just some ordinary child or ordinary whatever. So in this way, Vishwanath makes the point, for there to be Maduria, there has to be Aishwarya. And again, for there to be Audarya, there has to be Maduria. Because Audarya is the, the distribution of Maduria. So, so mostly that that presentation of Mahaprabhu, this mudra when he's like we see one one hand up, one hand down, is tasting the higher thing, extending that experience to everyone. No, of course in, in in because that's what he comes to give. Today someone posted some comment in one thing that I posted uh, concerning. Well, whether bhakti is inherent or not in the jiva, <laughs> it was a recent conversation I had. So I was mentioning that if every jiva will be in, in a predeter predetermined way already destined to attain a particular relationship with God, there, there will be no meaning to Mahaprabhu's indiscriminate dispensation, because in the scripture we hear over and over again that when Mahaprabhu came today was for each and every person no matter their, their qualification, lack of qualification, their situation. But if you say every jiva is already made constitutionally for a certain type of love, it means what Mahaprabhu came to give is only for those jivas who are made for the love Mahaprabhu came to give. So that will make Mahaprabhu's gift limited to that particular group. And the, the scripture is saying, no, this is not limited. This is for each and everyone indiscriminate. What to speak about... Nityananda Prabhu's campaign, that's even more madly indiscriminative. <laughs> so someone say, well, but actually Mahaprabhu's gift is not only one thing, which of course I appreciated that, because sometimes people say, Mahaprabhu came to give Manjari Bab, and that's all. There's nothing else you can receive from him, and that's a little bit what I like to call racism, which is like <laughs> being racist, the context of rasa, this is the only thing, and this is the best, and of course this is what I I'm after, so indirectly I'm the best. <laughs> but in Chaitanya Charitamrita, he quoted this devotee one verse, it says, Mahaprabhu came to give to the word Charibhav. Charibhav means four bhavs, which is Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. So with this he implied all the possible relationship to, with God is there, so Mahaprabhu came to give everything, including Dasya maybe and Vatsalya in other places like Dasya for, for Narayan in Vaikuntha, for, for Ram in, in Ayodhya. So in that sense, 
I mean, it, it wouldn't go against Mahaprabhu's gift that everyone is made for something because whatever Mahaprabhu came to give fits with all the affinities. That's the implication. But the point is that in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, when this verse appears, Mahaprabhu came to give Charibhav. Like ten verses before that, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is explaining that this Charibhav, that's the Sakya Vatsala in Madhurya, is the Charibhav that we find in Vrindavan. The Dasya, the Sakya, the Vatsala in the Madhurya of Braj. Because there is Dasya in Vaikuntha, there is Dasya in Ayodhya, but that's not the type of Dasya or Sakya or whatever that Mahaprabhu came to give. He came to give these four bhavs of Braj. So that's a specific gift. And again, uh, if we say that every Jeeva is made for something in particular, let's say some Jeeva is made for Vaikuntha Bhakti or for Ram Bhakti, the Mahaprabhu's gift with focus on Vrindavan will be limited to those who are made for that and not those who are made for But we say that's, that's not the case. What, what, what Shastra says is what, what he came to give for everyone. So that's as an aside point. So basically that, and when Mahaprabhu and Nityananda are like with the two arms raised, that has to do with the <clears throat> ulas, in the words of Rupa Goswami. Ulas means like, I don't know if you can follow this term in English, exultation, mm-hmm. not with A, exaltation, but exultation. Mm-hmm. I don't know in Bulgarian which is the word, sorry. But some form of celebration and overwhelming and highest reach of ecstasy. So again, the, 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 the raised hand has to do with tasting the highest thing and the two hands have it means tasting that highest thing. Completely. <laughs> no, at that precise moment, being maybe not so much in that particular moment, like <laughs> delivering that, but of course we know that it's not that when Gornitai are like this, oh, they are not so merciful at that moment because they don't have the raise the hand down and they're not, no, I mean, they will, that will come after a minute, no, after that they will be like this. <laughs> if you, so that's another way of putting that, so no problem. If you have Gornitai like this, it's not that they are less merciful than if they are like this, because now they are reaching me here, they are not reaching me. It's a way of, of, of expressing what, what's going on with them. And of course we have these deities, like my Guru Maharaj has in his ashram in California, when both Gor and Nityananda are like this. Oh, this is another presentation. No? You, you have them like this, you have them like this, you have them like this. So all of them complement each other. If, if in this one you, you like to think they are tasting that thing and not distributing, then you have like this, and they are like fully distributing and giving everything, giving themselves. No? This is like a mudra of, of, of giving. No? Here it is. Take it, take it, take it. And there are some deities that can be an exception to that rule. For example, in Argentina, we worship Dal Nitai Gor Hari, and Mahaprabhu is like this. But Nityananda is like this. No. Uh, also, the idea is Mahaprabhu is experiencing something and, and giving that to the world. And one of the main ways he's giving that to the world is through Nityananda Prabhu, who is fully, totally concentrated in in delivering Mahaprabhu to each and everyone and, and delivering what Mahaprabhu is about, what Mahaprabhu is, is, taste, is tasting himself. No? So. Something like that, but again, I've never heard like certain mudras exclusively limited or this, Madhurya, Udarya, or whatever. But some words connected mudras and Madhurya and Udarya, maybe for more, we can go to the audio two years back on the retreat in, in Bulgaria. So, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Nityananda ki jai. Okay, any other question you have? Also, the boat is here connected <coughs> online, invited, if they have any, any question. Maharaj? Yes. Uh, yes, someone translate, no problem. From this uh, question that Bhakti Shakti asked, I have heard that in the Gaudiya tradition, uh, 
we don't worship God as uh, alone, but we worship the uh, couple. <coughs> This is the only form in which uh, God is alone on the altar. Um, because he represents the Radha Krishna united in one, and in any other form he's always in a pair, in a couple, uh, no matter with what other extensions he is, but that's the only one which is a single one because it represents Radha Krishna United. So he's asking, it's asking for me to... So? Mm. Okay. He has heard okay. of other spiritual masters. Okay, okay. So I'll repeat the question here, maybe in case he was not heard by the ones connected. So Maturnat Prabhu is asking if <clears throat> generally we hear this notion of God is to be wor worshipped like in, in a couple, if you will, or not alone. But sometimes we see Mahaprabhu being by himself, if you will, in the altar. So is the question based both mostly is it's it's because Mahaprabhu represents Radha and Krishna combined or there's some other reason or something like that. So Okay, so there are a few things we can say in that connection. Uh, if we go back into our Gaudiya history we can find that uh, not necessarily from the very beginning we were the worship of Radha and Krishna in the altar was established like that. Just some historical facts to share. For example, the original deities that we heard of Vrindavan worshipped by the Goswamis. Sanatan Goswami of worshipping uh, San Madam Mohan, Rupa Goswami worshipping Govinda. In the beginning it was Madam Mohan and Govinda. It was not Radha Madam Mohan, Radha Govinda, Gopinath. So, to begin with, in the beginning there was only Krishna in the altar, interestingly. And in time, the deities of Radha came. Were brought to Vrindavan by, by, by Janava Devi, Nityananda's wife. So that was a, almost the same generation, but not right from the beginning. And of course, for, for, for us Gaudias, it doesn't mean that, uh, how to say, I mean, Krishna may be alone at one moment in, 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 in his life, in his lila, externally, but it, in, at the same time, he's never alone. Of course, generally, he's surrounded by his devotees all along his day different parts of his eternal day he's surrounded by Yashoda, Nanda, certain Batsalya sections of the day when he will be mostly nourished by parental love, some other sections of the day he will be surrounded by his friends, like when he goes to the forest with the cows and so on and in some other moments of the day he's surrounded by the gopis or by servants, Dasya at home as well, so in generally we say Krishna is never alone, he's always surrounded by Bhakti. But in some moments in between the Lila, one can say Krishna is not surrounded by anyone in the Lila. And I don't know, he's running to meet Radha. He's, if you take a picture of him running at that moment, you say, oh, he's alone at that moment of the Lila. But at the same time, he's never alone because he's totally absorbed in, in his love for each one of his devotees and vice versa. So... So to make this point, not, again, in the beginning of Gaudiya history, Krishna was alone in the altar, but it was clear that he's never alone at the same time. So to make the point more clear, generally, eventually after that, the deity of Radha was with him, and that was became like standardized. No? After that, generally, you don't see deities of Krishna by himself. There may be a few exceptions here and there, but that's not the Gaudiya like, standard, generally. <clears throat> And of course, there's not, that's not the only option. It's not that only we find Radha and Krishna. We can find deities of Krishna Balaram. So again, that's another divine couple. 
for those who have affinity for, for Sakya Bhav. But again, the same. The point is the same. No? He's never alone. He's surrounded by his Shakti, by his devotees, and so on. Uh, I heard that Madhurya made that point before. Like she mentioned, Radha Raman deity also, which is a, a very unique deity because if you, and it's considered maybe for many the most important deity in Vrindavan, which kind of has all the deities are present there. That's what. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta said once, no, when when he was so much, as we spoke yesterday after lunch, in an intense preaching campaign and denouncing deviations here and there, <laughs> that once he went to Vrindavan with his Parikram group, and all the temples in Vrindavan closed their doors to them. They did not allow them to enter. <laughs> Except for Radharaman temple. So, and he said, well, we have Darshan of Radha Raman. This, all the deities of Vrindavan are present here, so we are not losing any Darshan. <laughs> and Radha Raman, as you know, is the deity that was worshipped by Gopal Bhatta Goswami, original being a one uh, Shalagram Shila. A long story, I won't go there, it's too much. <laughs> but the point is that behind the minimum point of that story is that when Gopal Bhatta Goswami visited Mahaprabhu, uh, Mahaprabhu visited Gopal Bhatta in South India, um, Gopal Bhatta wanted to join him. He was a kid, basically, very young. And Mahaprabhu said, no, you take care of your parents, and eventually you can join, You can go to Vrindavan, and, I, and we will meet again in Vrindavan. So eventually Gopal Bhatta's parents passed away, and he went to Vrindavan. And Mahaprabhu was still in this world, so Gopal Bhatta had the hope we will meet. But eventually Mahaprabhu passed away and they never met again. So he was kind of, why Mahaprabhu told me this and now he's gone, so how how he will fulfill his promise basically. So he had these 12 Salagram Shilas that he received from the taking, took them from the Gandaki River. Actually he was not taking them, he was taking water and when he took the water of the river with the Lota, I don't know that word, how do you say in English? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and these 12 silas came, which are 12... Yeah, they are stones that are worshipped as forms of Bhagavan. So he said, wow, I'm, this is not my plan. So he put them in the river again. And he again took water. And the 12 stones were... <laughs> so he realized, okay, it seems they want to come with me. But in time he had this desire of worshipping... Radha and Krishna as deities with form as Radha and Krishna, he received some gift of clothes, so he had these clothes but he had these salagram shilas, we were like round stones, so what to do with these clothes, and also he had this desire to meet Mahaprabhu again, so one day on, on, on Narsim Chaturdasi, he was absorbed meditating on Pralat and Pralat's Bhakti and how because of his love for Bhagavan, Bhagavan appeared out of a stone out of a pillar, and he was lamenting, oh, I have all these sacred stones, but Bhagavan is not, it's not appearing in the form I wish to, to worship them. He was crying and lamenting and while appreciating Prahlad's Bhakti, and he fell asleep that night. So next day he woke up and he saw that the basket in which he was carrying the 12 uh, silas was open. So he was like, oh, maybe a snake entered. So he was like, watching, taking care, and he saw that one of these 12 silas, the Damodar sila, each sila has different names because markings and correspond with different forms of Bhagavan. So the, the Damodar sila was no longer the Damodar sila. <laughs> so now Damodar sila was who we call now Radharaman, who was this unique deity of Krishna which came out of a sila, Salagram sila, manifested in this unique form, Tribanga, carving tree yeah. and, and, and you cannot carve a, a, a salagram shila it is said if you try to carve a salagram shila it breaks immediately so it's a self-manifest deity of Krishna and you can see even if you see close pictures the teeth of Radhanaman are there so it's too, too detailed so it is said that of course it's only Krishna externally and Radhanaman you go they worship Radha like a crown next to in the form of a crown next to Krishna, but the deity is called Radha Raman, which of course Radha Raman can be a name for Krishna, which means the the beloved of Radha, 
So in that sense, one could say it's a name for one, the one person, Krishna. Also, you can say Radha, Raman. Raman can be also a name for Krishna himself, which means the one who enjoys, the enjoyer. And he's, he enjoys pretty much. <laughs> and, and we have that conception. Actually, Radha, Raman is Radha and Krishna combined. Why? Because in that combined form is how Mahaprabhu came to visit uh, Gopal Bhatt again. And not only to visit, but to remain with him forever and be worshipped by him. Because Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahayanya Rupanuk Janera Jivana is a word words by Bhaktisiddhanta Sasvai Thakur. Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahayanya no, Mahaprabhu is non-different from Radha and Krishna combined basically in a dynamic way as my Guru Maharaj likes to say no, it's Krishna but in the mood of Radha in that sense they are Radha and Krishna combined so yes regarding the question of Maturanath Prabhu, uh, we could say that when Mahaprabhu is appearing by himself, although there are some other cases of deities appearing by themselves, uh, we could say he's not alone, no? And, and he represents Radha and Krishna in, in, in a dynamic sense. But of course, we also find Mahaprabhu with Nityananda, Mahaprabhu appearing with Gadadhar, Gaur Gadadhar deities are there. Another form of speaking about Radha and Krishna, Bhaktinathakur worship them. Among others, we have Panchatattva deities. But yeah, when Mahaprabhu is appearing by himself, of course, according to the mood of the devotee, the one who is worshipping Mahaprabhu, he will always or she will always be thinking in terms of Mahaprabhu and being accompanied by his associates. He won't be worshipping Mahaprabhu like me and Mahaprabhu and there's nobody else in the whole exchange. No, Because again, Mahaprabhu is in the altar, the altar represents the like the the stage of the lila, no? It's like a portal that we want to enter forever. That's why the altar is there. It's not just one furniture with some statue there, and you have to put your head on the on the floor every twice a day and wave some incense, and that's that's the whole thing. <laughs> Technically speaking, we are we are supposed to enter there eventually and live there forever. That's why the pictures of the gurus are there, and they are waiting for us there, if you will. <laughs> And again, Mahaprabhu, when you go to Navadip, it's not that Mahaprabhu is by himself. The whole Navadip is empty, and Mahaprabhu is only, oh, I was waiting for you, and we will be together, and nobody else will be here. This is not our <laughs> our line. That's why Sila Siddha Maharaj composed this famous song, Jai Sachinandan, Sura Munibandan, and so on, where he mentions Mahaprabhu, <clears throat> and after that he starts to mention all the associates of Mahaprabhu even to the point of mentioning his Gurudev and his god-brothers and god-sisters. All, all part of the entourage in which he plans to enter for eternity. Like, very clear point, he is not alone. And in that sense, he will respectfully defer from Mirabai. No, Mirabai was, is a famous ancient Kirtaniya devotee in, 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 from India of Krishna, Brindavan, she's well known. There's one temple of her. And now they were having some new TV series in India about Mirabai. <laughs> I was seeing that in the street because they have all this. And they want to announce something in India. You, it's clear for you because there are like 108 signs, one after 30, 30 centimeters, and they have the same sign over and over again. So that was like promoting Mirabai's new whatever Netflix series or whatever. <laughs> But her stance, if you if you go through her kirtans and bhajans, her stance is singing to Krishna. And you never hear about Yashoda, Nanda, Radha, Chandravali, Manjari, Sakas. There's nobody. It's Krishna and her. So Sila Simra said, that's not our... That's not the world we want to go in. When we address Krishna, address Mahaprabhu, we also conceive all his... Entourage, no? So despite even if he is alone, quote-unquote, in the altar, we should learn to ambition the rest of the associates there. No? So, to some words, I hope that helps. Okay, here in the chat there are some questions, so we can give some place to that. One question from Ishodhyam, Devidasi, from Radhakund, we were meeting recently and doing some programs at, at her place, Pranam, Ishodhyam. 
So he's saying, I have read the summary where it is said that in his Navadip Dhammahatmya, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur has described how Sri Radha created Navadvip. Could you speak, please speak something about this pastime? I, I've, saw, I've seen Ishodhyan that you have sent me a link in that connection, an, an email recently. But I have not, I have had no time to go through that. You asked that another question, I think. So I will prefer to, to do a detailed research because I, I never entered even the link. So I would like to, to research that before answering to your question, if it's possible. But whatever may be the case, uh, it is important. They are always different, like, I, I will mention something, but of course we will, I, I would like to pre reply in more detailed way by going through the link you sent me. When, when we hear these things, that there is a pastime that shows how this happened, Actually, if you start to, to go in detail, you will find many pastimes. For example, a pastime for the descent of Mahaprabhu in that form. And there are so many <coughs> pastimes that, that appear like a, like a background of that, as we mentioned these days. You know, like Krishna disappearing, rather disappearing in Rasa Lila, and Krishna looking for her, and in separation, sitting in Imlitala, and starting to imbibe her mood and becoming golden. And we could say, oh, that was the first darshan of Mahaprabhu or when Mahaprabhu is then after that seeing the 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 separation of the gopis in, in, in the singing in Gopi Gita and Mahaprabhu says oh I want to taste that separation of Sri Radha and one can say that's the beginning of of, of, of Gaur Lila again beginning there's no beginning <laughs> that's an important point Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur shares another pastime that he reveals himself one little story called Swapna Vilasamritam, maybe you have heard about that, in which Sri Radha is having a dream. So some others will quote that. No? She's having a dream. She's meeting Krishna one day and she tells, I had a dream. And Krishna says, tell me, share me the dream. No? In brief, I will share. So she said, in this dream I was seeing, I was seeing a, a, a golden, effulgent figure dancing and crying in ecstasy. And, but, uh, but it felt like it, like it was you but at the same time, that person was saying, Krishna, Krishna. So I was feeling, I had the, the, feel, the, the feeling, this is my Krishna. But at the same time, he's calling Krishna. So generally, you are not calling Krishna, he, he was telling. You are calling me. But in that dream, so I was wondering, is, is that you or is, is that me? Because I felt it was you, but you were calling Krishna in the way I called you. <laughs> And I was surprised because I was so attracted to this golden figure. And she said, I I, I'm never attracted to anyone else apart from you. So in this way, I could conclude, it must be you. Because I, I, I'm not, I, I mean, in a very totally instinctive, natural way, I cannot be attracted to anyone else apart from you. So if I felt that same attraction, I conclude, this person must be you. But if it's you, why you were calling yourself and not myself. You know? So she was like asking all the things to Krishna. No? And Krishna kind of smiled and it is said that uh, a little of, again of Vishwanath, he has his Kaustuba gem and he kind of shows the gem, points to the gem to her and the gem kind of gives Sirada like a, like a trailer of Gorlila, you know? like a vision of of, of what's going to happen and, 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 and an explanation through the vision of Yes, this is me, but in your mood, and I will come to taste this because. So again, this is another story that one could share that this is the beginning of, of Gaur Lila. But again, there's no beginning because Gaur Lila is eternal. So there, are, it's it's just a way of trying to give a background to the whole thing. So this similar thing will apply, I imagine, to this notion of Radha creating Navadvip. At the same time, we are speaking about Nitya Navadvip. So with something is Nitya, means no beginning and no end. That's the meaning of nitya. But when you say, uh, I don't know, the nitya siddhas, no? Jashoda is nitya siddha, means eternally perfect devotee. It means she always had been that and she always will be. It's not that she became Jashoda at one point and before that Krishna didn't have a mother. <laughs> or someone else was the mother, now someone else became Jashoda. It's not like that. She always was Jashoda, she always is, she always will be. So, 
again, Nityanada is eternal. So in one sense, it's ways of giving a background and connections to, to that realm. Navadip, and, and I imagine, I will check the link and I'll reply later personally to you in a more detailed way, but I imagine that's the, the point of a connection, Navadip and Radha. So Radha creating Navadip is a way of saying, I imagine I will go through that, but Gorlila is all about Radha Bhav. It's all about Krishna tasting Radha Bhav. So in that sense, we can say Radha created Navadip. Now Radha Bhav created the necessity for the Gorlila, for Krishna to taste that. No? But I will go in more detail and I will share the uh, more detail after checking the, the link you sent me. Any question here? There is some other question here, but also to go to the yeah, sure. uh, Thank you. Okay. Uh, some time ago, one uh, uh, dear friend, Poti, uh, asked me about uh, if there, uh, if I know anything about uh, Mahashabu having sister, because um, she has a dream that she was sister of Mahaprabhu, <laughs> and. Um, uh, the only thing I could really like, uh, uh, I, I don't really know, but uh, what I have heard uh, at least was uh, in terms of Audarya, that all the girls in the village of Mahaprabhu uh, was playing with them as sisters. Mm. But uh, these days I heard from your stories that uh, <coughs> uh, before he get birth, there were nine, uh, eight sisters. Eight, eight. Yeah. But um, they actually didn't mess somehow, mm -hmm. and yeah, and it grabbed my attention to if I can. Well, <coughs> this is mentioned. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to recall. I think that's Chaitanya Bhagavat, not Chaitanya Charitamrita. Chaitanya Bhagavat is mentioned that that Mahaprabhu before himself being born. And even before his elder brother, Vishwarup, being born, Sachi was, uh, she lost eight pregnancies. No? And all those eight were girls. So, of course, the question has to do with someone, if Mahaprabhu has sisters. No? But to be honest, I've not heard ever any like more detailed explanation as who they were or what's the background of those girls although one may try to make some parallel with the the child killed by Kamsa to Yashoda but I've never read that although one finds some parallels in between Gorlila and Krishna Lila some pastimes which are like very similar with some slight variety according to the mood of the Lila so one could say okay Sachi had eight of course, it's not the same number because no? Krishna is the eighth child of Devaki, if you want to consider him from the perspective of Devaki, although we Gaudias will mostly think he's the son of Jashoda, and the Krishna coming from Devaki is an expansion, actually. But if you want to terms in term, in ter think in terms of Devaki, there are eight in total. In this case, there are eight girls, but then one more, Vishwarup, and then one more, Mahaprabhu. So there are ten totally. So even the number doesn't fit. Like, so I wouldn't try like to force, like a num numerical comparison. And means they are the same people. And those first child who were killed by cancer were the. But it's a good question to do some further investigation and research and see if there are any commentaries. On, but I've not heard about that. But yeah, we could say, of course, they have not met. <clears throat> but technically there are there are sisters no? I mean I remember once I was speaking with one one doctor uh, and she asked me so do you have any sisters or brothers and I say no I'm only child <clears throat> and, he, and then she asked me but but did your mother have any other pregnancies that somehow she lost and I said yes she lost three pregnancies, two before me and one after, three girls. And she told me, oh, so then you have three sisters. No? Even though you never met them, no? those souls were there, there was some connection, 
So yeah, of course I, I was appreciated the point. So I, I'm thinking now in this connection we could say something similar, no? Even though there was not like official meeting, because even if let's say that you have your mother had another sister or brother, and for some circumstances of life, the brother was born or the sister, and you were born, but you never met during the whole life. It doesn't mean that they are not your your sister or brother because you have never met. No, they are still your brother and sister. So some some of them get out of the womb, some of them died in the womb, some of them died after one day of the womb, but whatever the case, still the, the relationship is there. <laughs> so, so they are in connection with Mahaprabhu somehow, no? At least on the earthly lila, because I, I, to be honest, also when when we, when I hear descriptions of Nitya Navadvip and what's what's going on in the eternal Navadvip there, we generally do not hear about Mahaprabhu's having other sisters there. So also there again, that's a complex topic. So, and, and, so yeah. then what about this? Uh, actually, seeing how the the girls of Navadvipa's sisters. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a good point also because <clears throat> um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of a I mean, I've, I've been now recently in, in, in India, Navadvipa, Vrindavan and so on and, and there's a lot of this even you can see today in the, especially in the rural setting and village life you know, like this cultural thing that is also in the Lila, there is some cultural setting there. <laughs> when there is this type of ex feeling and experience of brothers and sisters among the childs in the, in the, in the area, amongst themselves, no? like they even call themselves like in those terms. It's not only my, my brother, bloodline brother and sister, are my brother and sister, but they tend to call other boy kids and girls who, which they are connected through, through friendship, let's say, as brothers and sisters. As, and they even call maybe some of the mothers of, of those other kids like you know, like Ma, Maya, or Baba, you know, father, mother, beyond their own father and mother. So this there is this kind of extended sense of family. You know? For example, to say that Yashoda, everyone in, in Brindavan feels Yashoda is my mother. They have their mother, but Yashoda is such a mother that, that everyone feels She's my mother. She's our mother. She's the mother of the whole Vrindavan. No? So, so, so yeah. In the Gaur Lila, this is similar to say Mahaprabhu is when he's playing or, or relating with the girls and so on. He's doing more from that perspective, and not so much from the perspective of Krishna in Krishna Lila that he Krishna generally approaches the gopis with another another type of uh, feelings, basically. Of course at some point of, 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 of the unfolding of the Lila. No? When Krishna is born and he has two months, he's not having romantic affairs with the gopis. Although it's, that's there, because latent, because that's their eternal relationship. No? When Radha and Krishna are born, and as babies they may meet, as it happens in the Lila, it's not they're having, let's say, the same type of exchange that they have when they are older, but their eternal relationship is there. It's just a matter of time that it unfolds. But when, when the point is in Gaur Lila, at, at any point of the unfolding of the Lila, we won't see at any point Mahaprabhu relating to girls in romantic terms, because it's another Lila. No? And, and that, that's a good point, because some, there are some sections that promote this notion of Gaur Nagar. Gaur Nagar Bhav, which means Mahaprabhu is having romantic affairs with the ladies of Navadvi. And he has, like Christian Brindavan, basically, who is having like extramarital affairs with almost every girl in Brindavan. <laughs> but Mahaprabhu is not doing that because Mahaprabhu, that's another Lila. And in, in that particular Lila, Mahaprabhu Krishna, yeah, Mahaprabhu is Krishna. One can say, no, but he's Braja Krishna, so he, he can't do that. Yeah, he can do that, but he won't do that because every Lila is in a particular mood and Bhagavan is in a particular bhava there. So, in order for that mood to succeed, be succeed, he will behave accordingly. So, as Mahaprabhu, he's married with Vishnu Priya, and he's eventually accepting sannyas and giving certain example to the world. He's not like doing those things. So, so to project that will be like to 
yeah, to disturb the, the mood of the Lila, basically, because Mahaprabhu, as Goranga, is not experiencing that, but experiencing Radha Baba and distributing that to the world. It's another situation. So, so that's a good point, because confirms, yeah, Mahaprabhu is relating with the, to the girls of now in another mood, not, not so much in romantic terms, as some may like to think. Okay, something. We will do further research about Mahaprabhu's sisters. Any other question? <coughs> Ud- Uda. Yeah, he would like also to ask a question. Okay. Some time ago, I read this uh, in Bhagavad Gita 329 verse. Let me look the verse, just mm. in case you could. I know some verses, but sometimes with numbers it may be more. It said that the ignorant are engaged in their own mm. activities. Yeah. And the wise people should not disturb them. So... Uh, sometimes in life, if we are the supposed to be wise men, because we have somehow come came in contact with the knowledge. Uh, shall we engage ourselves in preaching to this type of people? Is this our duty? Or we shall other, uh, rather follow what the verse says. We should not uh, preach or share to this type of people who are like ignorant. So. Mm. Mm. Okay. So, so yeah, this is a very pretty well-known verse of the Gita. And, uh, of course, the question comes, as it came many times, like, okay, this verse Krishna is saying, again, there's people who is totally bewildered by the gunas, by the modes of nature, maya shakti, and they are totally engaged in uh, yeah, conditioned activities and totally attached to whatever they are doing in the context of the gunas. So the wise, the person in knowledge, should not agitate them, uh, unsettle them, basically. Although those duties are inferior, because of their lack of knowledge, they are doing what they are doing, basically. So I will say, and the question, of course, of Udav is, so then, I mean, if if you take that verse in one sense to the, in one extreme, there's no, I mean, no more preaching, basically. There's, we, we don't need to speak to anyone because leave them with their gunas. But of course, the question is, how will they get out of that illusion by themselves no? because they are so entangled <laughs> I mean, we know what does what does it mean because we have been taken from that so I would say we have our own experience of being totally into that reality and thinking this is the all in all Satparajas Tamas without knowing those words of course <laughs> we're totally embracing Maya Shakti and running after all these neon lights in the world <laughs> at the same time been feeling empty, not knowing what to do, feeling the need for something else, but totally bewildered because, of course, says, this my Maya is very difficult to overcome. This is not a joke. But again, how we were, how we, how were we able to, on some level at least, to transcend that and today be here and speaking the things by the grace of, of sadhus, by by bhakti coming to our lives in the form of Vaishnavas who showed us another possibility and connected us with Harinam and other sadhus and the practice and the philosophy and the goal of life and so on. I, we know that. We, we, we can give our own testimony here. <laughs> no? so we are not need to see that's coming from Golok and we, we never know what's Maya Shakti. At least I'm not that just so. <laughs> so the point is... <clears throat> We also feel the need. I mean, if if, if we if, if Vaishnavas do not, the wise people do not turn to ignorant people and try to help them, how will they transcend their own situation? 
So the word that Krishna is saying, we using here particularly is bichalayet, the very last word of the verse, bichalayet, which means, and he says, nabichalayet, krishna bin nabichalayet, krishna bin means those who are in knowledge, na, not, bichalayet means agitate. He is not saying, do not preach to them. He is not saying, do not agitate them, which is a different thing, because you can preach in a way that is soothing and supportive and give so much hope and you can preach in a way that agitates people <laughs> more and more I mean we have also experience of that <laughs> because preaching is not just I open my mouth I have memorized the all the replies and whenever someone asks something here is take it and if it helps great and if not it was your fault you didn't have enough Sukriti sorry for you no no you have to know how to present in a sensitive way, which words to use, which words not to use, what to say, till which point, to which devotee. Even among devotees, what to speak about, like Bada Jivas. I mean, among devotees, there are topics that I may start to speak, I may disturb you, because they may be too too high, and you are not prepared for that. And Shastra says that. There are certain things which are to be heard by certain level of devotees. So, my point is, that even applies among the society of Vaishnavas. What to speak among those who are Vaishnavas, among who are not Vaishnavas. How much more one has to know how to deliver the teaching and not agitate them. You follow my point? Even if that applies among Vaishnavas, you can agitate the Vaishnavas with your preaching. <laughs> how much you can agitate someone who doesn't get it, have a clue about what you are saying. So that's what Krishna is saying here so much, basically. No, it's not saying... Do not be compassionate and do not speak to anyone. Do not agitate them. I mean, you can approach someone in a compassionate, loving way and do not agitate them. Actually, it's helping them to, to stop their agitation. No. They are already agitated. So, But you have to be very very aware of how to, what to say, what not to say. Sometimes this idea of preaching strategy will come in this connection also. What to say, what's the capacity of the audience, what not to say. We see that all along the, the scripture. Like, I don't know, one, some examples of that famous, like Buddha, no? Bhagavan himself. Buddha is God, but he came in a time when he realized, oh, people is uh, misusing the Vedas in order to engage in cow killing and animal sacrifice and so on. And they are so much into it that if I try to show them actually the Vedas means something else, they won't they won't get it. I have to take a more much more extreme measure. So Buddha say Vedas are not authority actually. So he cut to that point. And he preached in that direction. And he preached atheistic philosophy actually. With the purpose of ahimsa, of taking those people to a more human platforms of from human platform they will be more able to grasp higher truths so that's extreme because buddha is god but his message is there is no god god saying to the people i do not exist basically <laughs> i mean he's not saying i am god he's saying god does not exist and it's god saying that so that's preaching strategy that's an extreme measure <laughs> and so many of like this sankaracharya himself or, or, I, I can basically give you examples of these adjustments with every single acharya in our lineage. And again, this is a, a way they are showing their genius to understand what's the necessity of the moment, their compassion to adapt the presentation according to the capacity of the audience, but also knowing where they want to take the audience. Huh? It's like if I tell you something, I always have given the, the, the example of the stork story. Huh? <laughs> Like if a baby or a boy of one year or two years ago, Ma, how did I came here? Well, I don't know if a boy of two years will ask that, but let's, let's imagine. <laughs> how, to, how, how did I, And the mother cannot explain the whole reproductive situation and the sexual intercourse. I mean, it's too much for the baby. So he says, yeah, stork brought you and put you in the chimney. And you and we receive you one day here. And the child is like in ecstasy. Like, wow, nice, incredible. So it helped for that time. No, it, it's not disturbing for him. My point. She's want, She doesn't want to disturb, but she has to give an answer. 
So the boy is satisfied at that stage, but some years after, of course, he will Google and realize, Ma, you were lying to me. <laughs> Nowadays they will go to Google maybe at two years, who knows? But another thing, no? more complicated for the parents now. <laughs> so at one point the mother will explain the real story. But she will say, I was not lying actually. I, I just, you were not able to digest the whole thing at that time. So I was taking care of you, I was protecting you. Even though technically you may say, I was lying to you, it was for protecting you, because you didn't have the capacity for dealing with the whole truth, basically. And sometimes the guru can adjust some things because he sees my student doesn't have the capacity of dealing with the whole truth, it may be too much. So I'll give some, a brief, abridged version of it. So basically this verse is saying that, no? Krishna is saying, do not disturb the unwise. Do not uh, agitate unnecessarily that people. Mm. Because one can do that. Again, you can do to an attached person and say, you are attached, you are totally in Maya, your life is hellish, you are losing your human form of life. And the only thing you are creating is the person may jump in your neck and try to kill you or something. <laughs> and became totally like, and think you are a total fanatic. And he's right. <laughs> no, so, and again, so one should be compassionate, no? So you you cannot say everything from day one. That's also a thing. No? Someone may come in first class, and that person may need to hear something in particular. And, may, and you may like to share so many things, but you know, no, no, I cannot say that now. It will be too much for that person. Maybe next week it will be okay, but today it will be disturbing. So it's a whole art. Preaching is an art. It's not just memorize the narrative and do copy-paste and throw the same thing to everyone. That won't work. You, you can try it. It's not for the same for every person. So there may be... An, a, 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 and that's a compli the complex thing when you are giving a, a lecture because you have an audience of mixed people, mixed audiences, like sometimes they are devotees, they are non-devotees, they are devotees with, from different levels of realization, new devotees, not so new. Um, by new, I do not mean only how many years they are here, because you can be new and have so much insight. But different adhikars, and you are sharing one same discourse for everyone. So you have to be very, as much as you can, without going crazy, <laughs> be careful of everyone is properly digesting the same words according to their own situation in a way that is helping them. But ideally, after that, there should be also some like <clears throat> individual, personal uh, approach to each member. It's not only, okay, listen to the class and good luck. Because every devotee will have their own personal issues and they will need a more individual approach. And that's a necessary complement. So basically, that's what Krishna is saying. Because, I mean, he's speaking the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavad Gita himself, he's preaching. <laughs> He's given a discourse not only to Arjuna but to the whole people there at Kurukshetra and to the whole world. So it's not that he's against that. No, he himself says at the end of the Gita, no? whoever distributes this message, no, Jaidam Paramanguhyam and so on, Bhakti Mai Parankritam, Mahami Vaisisi, Samsayam. There's no doubt that whoever shares this message with other people becomes the most dear person for me. So he's speaking about sharing the message. <laughs> but he's also giving a context for that, how to share that. No? So, Falina so, Farishate, you judge the tree by its fruit. No? So, if the fruit is the people is getting agitated, maybe you have to stop speaking or say something different. It's not about just speaking or preaching. Sometimes the best preaching is Mahaprabhu showed that so many times, as we spoke. When he was with Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was so eager to, I will teach you Vedanta. You are a young sannyasi, you need to be schooled in Vedanta, so you have to learn from me, I'm the greatest pandit of whole India, so sit down for a moment. So Mahaprabhu realized, I cannot tell anything at this point. He's not willing to hear. So I will hear. But in such a way that it will create what, what my Guru Mahesh will call a teachable moment. So Mahaprabhu sat for seven days in silence, Mauna, Brata. Seven days, one week, without saying a word. And Sarvama spoke and spoke and spoke. And 
Mahaprabhu applied this principle. I won't agitate him. If I, I won't dist I let him say all that he has to say, and after he finishes his discourse, I'm sure something will happen. And you know, after that, we Sarvabhama was like, okay, I've seen say so all the things. You have heard attentively. I realize that. Do you have any questions? Mahaprabhu said, no, I don't have questions. But have you understood what I said? And so then, again, then he was invited to speak. No? So he opened the mouth with the other person invited to speak. If you are not invited to speak, I, I, I don't feel it's very gentle to open your mouth. That much. I mean, it's, it's, you follow. If, if you are not, I know, if you are not inviting me to give an opinion on your life, I won't approach you and give my opinion on your life. I mean, that will be violent. If you are not ex opening your heart, Maharaj, please, I would like you, what do you think about that? I won't come. Hey, I think this should be, you should be doing this and that. I mean, the person will say, this is not natural, this is not, <laughs> this is a forced thing. So that's not preaching, no? Because sometimes they want to think this. Yeah? Let's go out and convert the whole world by force or something. <laughs> so come, listen, listen to me, no? Uh, maybe we need to listen first sometimes, no? Like this famous example was there were some Prabhupada disciples in India and they heard that there was a famous yogi I don't know where in India and he was doing this Mauna Brata he didn't speak he just wrote in one blackboard some words whenever that was necessary but generally so they were like again they were innocent beginning naive and fanatic so they heard oh this yogi is doing Mauna but Harikata is above, ma above Mauna. <laughs> to speak about Krishna is higher than not speak. So let's go and preach to him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so they were like, okay, today we will convert this yogi and, well, with this spirit of coloniz colonization. No? <laughs> Colonizing the Himalayas or something. Let's convert the yogi. So they went and said, and they, they went, they compiled all these verses about the glories of Harikata, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so they went and say all these things. No, you are not speaking, but to speak about Krishna is higher than not speaking, and your renunciation is false. It's not Yukta Vairagya, but it's Markata Vairagya, and so on, so many things. No? And the yogi was a yogi, a real yogi, so he was not agitated. <laughs> But he wrote, he took the blackboard, no? and he replied to them like with a few lines. No? So they were the devotees were like passionately, rajasically saying, like, no, you should speak Harikata only, not Mauna, he wrote. And the blackboard said, and are you doing that? <laughs> and the devotees were like, and they retired, left there. <laughs> no? like, like the yogi implied, yes, I agree with you, but how much you are doing that? Because if you are not doing that, do not come to me trying to convince me about the glories of that. If you yourself are not embracing those glories fully, <laughs> better you walk the talk, give the proper example, and your example will command respect naturally. That was Mahaprabhu's technique. Sometimes he didn't spoke, but his example was so powerful. That was enough. Then he said some words at the end, and everyone was converted. <laughs> but he was not too much... I will speak to everyone and convert and force them. Nothing like that. No? He was respectful. No? So basically, this verse has to do with that. No? Not so much not to preach, but not to disturb in the name of preaching. No? For example, the ninth uh, Nama Paradis, what? To give the holy name to those who do not have faith. That's an offense to Srinam, mostly applied to the Guru. If the Guru is given Srinam, to someone who do, does not have proper faith in Srinam, who does not even know what's Srinam, what, what's about to go on, that's an offense engaged by, by the Guru. Because also he's, that person is promoting offense in the person who will be receiving the Nam without proper faith, without proper knowledge what's this about, basically. No? So, a similar situation, basically. No? It's not about just... Again, preaching, if the person doesn't know what to do with that that you gave and they made nonsense, that may be also a form of disturbance eventually. Rupa Goswami quotes this word from Narad Pancharatra, which says, <coughs> in brief, it's connection with that. So, 
the devo that devotional service, which is not being conducted by the guidance of Shruti, Smriti, by Shastra, that devotional service becomes a disturbance to society. So that's another way of saying the same thing. If, if in the name of Bhakti, you are doing things which are not following Shastra, all, no matter how much Bhakti you, you, you call them, <laughs> there are disturbance for society. Society of devotees and can be society at large. So, so whatever we do has to be in certain parameters, under certain guidance. So that's what Krishna is saying here. No, please do not, in the name of preaching, end up agitating people. Preaching is good, nice. I, I, no, preaching, I like to use another word for preaching, but it's okay. <laughs> you understand the idea. No? Delivering the message, sharing. Uh, but, yeah, that should have be done in a certain particular way. So that's basically the, the, the context. This is a verse which puts uh, helping others in context. No? Again, you're trying to help others. If, if you're trying to help others, agitating them, you're not helping them. So you have to recalibrate how I'm doing that. And maybe you realize, I don't know how to help them. And you should stop trying, in your case. And you may think, maybe someone else more capable than me can help them. Because that can happen. Sometimes you find a very difficult case. And because it's not that everyone, you speak to Krishna and they are like, yeah, go Haribo. <laughs> or even amongst the devotees. The devotees may have a... Because the, the idea of preaching is so many levels. Preaching doesn't mean only speak to someone who doesn't know Krishna and bring him to the temple. Preaching is among devotees themselves also, on different levels of prachar. So, in some situations, some devotee may need a particular prachar, and you are not able to deliver that prachar. It's beyond your adhikar. So, you, you, you cannot try, you, you shouldn't try that, because you may create agitation for that person and for you. But you may think, some other Vaishnava more qualified may deliver that prachar that I'm not able to do. That's a much more humble stance. No? That thinking, oh, I tried to help, but he was not able to like, accept my, my help or something. No, you should be thinking maybe, I'm not able to help that person according to what they need. That can happen also. Many possibilities are <laughs> there. Anyhow. I hope that helps, I don't know. Yeah? yeah? Thank you. Okay, so the world, the clock here is, the recording is showing that we are one hour, eight minutes, so it's 108. It may be a good moment for closing today, our session, and tomorrow morning we have our last uh, Q&A, and in, today in the evening we have our last meeting on, on Mahaprabhu's pastimes. We will be studying his Sanyas Lila, so... All of you are invited to join, and I appreciate your presence and, and inquiries so for giving me the chance to serve you somehow. So thank you so much, and see you soon. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Radhamodar ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Pramana ki jai.